0: Good morning, Saints. How are you doing? Y'all good? Feeling revived today? Because revival's in the air. That's what well we're singing. I'm trying to figure out this new whatever it is case that my wife gave me. They're hard to they're hard to operate. Yes, thank you. They're hard to operate. Well, uh, I am uh, excited to be here today. I don't know about you but i feel refreshed uh i hope you're getting refreshed and uh even though the rain is slowing me down in so many things that i need to do uh, it, it is refreshing to see <laughs> so i'm th- i'm thankful for it there may be a time where we don't have it but i'm thankful for it uh i'd want to throw a few announcements also just a reminder of the the students conference that we have coming up in july it's in colorado springs really want to encourage you guys to get if you have Children between 13 and 24, in that range, we really want to take them with us and, and get them plugged in. But you'll have to register them online at livewithpurpose.church. We have a kiosk out front where you can do that, or your church center app, church center app or online. So really want to get those kids plugged in because they, they're they going through a lot. They're going through a lot in this generation. And if we don't actively get them engaged and really encourage them in the ways of the Lord. Well, they're getting bombarded by culture. So I mean, we got a choice. We can't look back later and say, "Well, what? Turned why did they turn out that way?" I'll tell you why they, didn't, they turned out that way. You didn't encourage them in the way of the Lord. So I'm, I'm just telling you. And this conference is a great way to get a boost in their faith and get them focused on what the Lord is doing. So, and too let's say you don't have, and you're like, man, I just want to get some kids there. There's a lot of kids that just need sponsorship. that want to go. They can't afford to go, but they they sure would use some scholarship to go. So you can go on our giving page as well, and you can give, and there's a tab for Desperation Conference that you can give towards that so that kids will be able to go. So I also want to give a shout out to the ladies who two Fridays ago rocked it in this place. There was a 120 estrogen-filled women, roughly, and uh, as we were, I was greeting them coming in, I was like, bless you, we're praying for you, they said, are you going to be speaking no? What can you say to 120 women? I I just, I just, let's stay away from it all. (laughs) "Mm, It's better to say nothing, as scripture says. So I looked really wise by saying nothing. Right, Carly? She's she's like, yes, you do. You shouldn't have said what you just said. (laughs) but man they rocked i'm telling you just just hearts changed. i love to feel the temperature of how what's what's going on and that the feedback that they're getting and just how god was really speaking to these ladies that were here so uh just if you participated thank you so much if you helped clean set up thank you so much uh, if you spoke great job thank you so much and so it's really about it's such a community event we had people come from gladewater texas longview texas Uh, Cedar Creek Lake, all around, ladies just coming in, so man, that's just, that's spectacular. And so, but men, we're going to show up on May 18th, we're going to have a men's night, and there's going to be a little bit of axe throwing, there's going to be some fishing, there's going to be a little bit of skeet shooting, there's going to be probably some chess matches for you strategic thinkers, and some, some cornhole for you really accurate uh, bean bag throwers or corn husk throwers, whatever they're made out of, there, there's gonna be some action. All I know, there's gonna be some re, uh, uh, awards given away too, you know, because we don't just show up, we have to have some competition. Even that guy that's like, no, I don't wanna compete, but I will beat you if I do. Now, there's still competition involved in the heart of a man, and so uh, it's going to get real, so, but, but, but register for that, be looking for it, in the next week we're going to have that online, livewithpurpose.church, where you can register for the men's night, that way you'll know where it's going to be, it's not going to be here, because we can't shoot in town, if we could, well, we would, it'd be a lot of fun, but we're actually going to put you in a place where you can, you can probably catch, what, seven, ten-pound bass, just like that, get on it, get on on it. I it. I see that one hand raised back there. There's one man in this room. Yeah. It's going to be called Man Up. <laughs> we're get these men to the man up. So uh, we are in a message series, Blessed to be a Blessing. We have this weekend and next weekend is the last two messages of this series, and some are like, thank God. And I want to tell you today, <laughs> the message we're preaching is going to give you direction on how you can live your best life right now. You know, we sang a song a while ago, and I don't know, I'm not I'm going to mess it up, but it says basically, receiving all that you have. We come into you to receive all that you have, and boy, I wish the body of Christ looked like that. But I'm telling you right now, if you applied the principles about of what we're going to talk about today and have spoken about in this series, you truly will be able to live your best life right now. And the purpose of this series is threefold. One is to release us from the bondage of selfish and stingy living, because that's bondage. Number two is this, to help us understand the incredible life-giving blessings released to us and others as we live generously. And then three is to bring us to a place of cheerful, love-motivated, generous living. If we can do those three things, if we can accomplish that, well, we'll change the world will truly be who the, the body of Christ is supposed to be and what Jesus has left us to accomplish for his return. That, wouldn't that be amazing that the church is actually the church? That the church actually would, would provide the answers to the rest of the world. Well, we have them, we have access for them, uh, to them. And so what we're gonna read today is a, a, kind, of a, a kind of a heart-wrenching story and it's gonna hit probably on many levels for you, but I'm gonna pull some principles out of this, some spiritual kingdom principles that you can apply in every area of your life. And what we're talking about is a story of Abraham and Isaac. Now in the story, God is not wanting Isaac for himself. God is not wanting Isaac. But Abraham was about 100 years old in this story, and God had blessed Abraham magnificently, greatly, through his life, When God began to speak to Abraham, Abraham would hear, he would believe, and then he would just obey, just kind of a blind faith. Okay, Lord, you said it, I'll do it. And along the way, as Abraham practiced that method, God would just pour out blessings upon him. And he gave him a promise, and he told him to look in the stars, he'll have as many descendants as the stars are in the sky. And, you know, Sarah from the the tent starts laughing. He's like, "I'm, I'm old, I'm a little too old for that, Lord. But yet God blessed them. They so desired a son so that they could fulfill the promise and that they could pass on the legacy that God had already begun to give to them. See, Abraham wasn't walking it out on his own. And so Isaac in this story is about 13 years old. 10, 11, 12, 13, we'll just say 13. And so in Genesis 22, it says this. Now it came to pass after these things that God Tested Abraham. He, he he tested, and I just want you to know that God tests us continually. He tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Verse two, and he said, Here I am. And so, in these next steps, I'm about to I'm going to skip a little bit to chapter to, to, to verse ten. But I God asked Abraham to give his son. He says, Then he he said. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Whom you love, take him there. Offer him up as a burnt offering. What? So as we skip to verse 10, Abraham's in action. He He's going to Mount Moriah, and he's led Isaac up there, and Isaac's just trusting him. Hey, Dad. It's like you taking Nathan, your son. Hey, Dad, we're going to Mount Moriah. That's great. Are we going to go skiing? Are we going to go mountain bike riding? What are we going to do? Oh, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. Let's just see what God has for us up there. I mean, can you imagine the walk that Abraham had to have? Because this is the descendant that's supposed to carry on the promise. This is the one. I mean, he's old. Surely there's not another chance that God... and sorry that abraham and sarah can have another child some of you probably had like me i had children late in life and you're like i wouldn't want another child that late right i mean, like i'm, I'm done I, I mean i'm done I, i'm moving on <laughs> sorry to be real so in verse 10 and abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son but the angel of the lord Now you need to know when you see this this is where jesus appears in the old testament before his incarnate body in the new testament as you would see it and the angel of the lord called to him and from heaven and said abraham abraham so he said here i am and he said do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now i know that you fear god wasn't sure before but now i know you fear god since you have not withheld your son your only son from me you have not withheld him your only son from me pay attention to the details then abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns so abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son verse 14 and abraham called the name of the place The Lord will provide. Or you know him, you know this name, Jehovah Jireh. He called him Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Abraham discovered through this faith act of giving back to God what he was requesting, which was Abraham's best, that God blessed. And this is a most horrific story because God promised, He provided a promise. Then He provided a child to carry this promise. And now God wants Abraham to offer up the, the sacri- sacrifice. Like He's He's standing over him. To offer up this son and the promise. What do you do? God. They've been laboring towards this. They've been believing. He left his mommy and daddy's land for this. Decades he's wandering around in the wilderness, listening to the voice of the, for the voice of the God to guide him to that next step because of this promise. And the promise would come through this son, and now he has him. He's been spending 10 to 13 years with him, and now sacrifice him? Okay, Lord. God tested Abraham, and can you imagine having to be put in a position that you may have to slay your own son? Some of you are like, this is so disobedient, sometimes I feel like I gotta slay him just to get him, you know, can you imagine? And so God is not only asking for the promise to be handed over, the destiny on Abraham's life to be handed over, but he's asking for the son as well that is carrying the destiny. Man, that's tough. That's a hard word, Lord. Y'all need to stick with that. Hold on to that. Put a pin in it. That's tough, Lord. That word that you're giving me sounds a little too difficult. But Abraham responds with, here I am. He responds with, I'm going up to the mountain. He responds with, I sharpened my dagger. And the Lord responded back. But here's the catch. God didn't want Isaac he wanted Abraham back because it had grown in a process of time that the promise, Abraham had become distracted by the promise and the child. And so the promise and Isaac were now competing for God's attention. Y'all there yet? So implied here is not that Abraham has turned his heart away from God, it's just that he had become distracted by the promise. Anybody ever been distracted from their relationship with God for something or someone? Context is twofold. Loving something or someone more than God, that's one issue that we have, and two is withholding from God what we hold valuable in our hearts. Because where our treasure is, Scripture says, so too is this fleshly little thing right here. And anything that we're withholding from God, we're holding it in our heart. And it's keeping us, it's distracting us, it's keeping us from fully experiencing all the blessings that God has promised to us. So here's the big question God is trying to draw an answer out for. Who can God bless that won't take the blessings and replace God with it. Who can God bless that won't say, man, thank you, God, for the blessings. I'm good now. Now I don't need you. Because it seems to be a record, a history, a a, a method in life where humanity tends to want to take the blessings from God and now say, I'm good. I just want to get close enough to get blessed, and now I'm good. And that's where Abraham was. He had the blessings. He had it all. It was all laid out for him, as God said. And God said, wait a minute, there's a distraction in your life. Will you lay it down for me? I want to tell you about, it is really good. I want to tell you about, I could tell you a dozen of these stories, and I've mentioned it vaguely throughout this month and through through this last year, I've seen and I've seen this time and time again. There was a young man that I was ministering, I was, I was uh, ministering with, I was discipling. He came in just raw, just got freshly saved and, and just humble as could be and wanted to, wanted to grow in the Lord, wanted to be used for the Lord. His heart's desire was to be used for the Lord. I said, like, come on aside, I can do something with that. And so there I am, I'm taking him with me, I'm, I, I'm, he's, he's assisting me, I'm training him up on ministry, the, the very things that he's asking the Lord for and asking for help for. And I'm discipling and discipling and praying with him and, and walking through things with him and and seeing breakthrough after breakthrough he's traveling with me and we're doing ministry together he's praying for a wife god brought him a beautiful wife uh, to support he he's praying for a better a better uh, favor in his in his company He's getting favor. He's, he's getting a raise. I, I helped him get another job in another place similar to his work, and he gets a better, he gets a better income. He's, he's getting more favor in this place. He's moving up the ladder. God is answering his prayers. He's serving. He's faithful. He's humble. He's giving God his all, and God is returning with blessing. He changes another place. that He had got an offer to another business, got another raise. More hours, more, more responsibility, more opportunity. And he's playing, Lord, Nathan, pray with me that God will bless me, bless my finances. And all of a sudden, arrogance begins to rise up. Pride begins to rise up. I just don't have time to serve anymore. Busier, busier, blessed, got the promise. Got the distraction. I, I, just, I just don't, man, I just can't make it to church anymore. I'm just too busy. Took the blessing and walked away from the blesser. Oh, I just want to be used for the Lord. I want to grow in ministry. I want to grow. I want to know how to. But when God started to bless him, he couldn't make that shift to lay it back down on the altar. He couldn't give God back the best so that he could truly receive God's best. And who knows? Who knows what he's up to now? Who can God bless and won't use it against him, but to serve him? Because God is not blessing you so you can veer off and and chase the blessing. God is blessing you so that you can turn around and be a blessing. God's whole heart is to see who are a people that I can entrust things with that are truly important so that they will be a a river instead of a reservoir for others. Where are they? Because he's searching the world for hearts. He's searching our spirits to see who Abraham laid down his own son unto the Lord as proof that nothing is more important than his relationship with God. And in verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now this is modern day temple mount. This is Mount Moriah. This is where Abraham, yes, went to sacrifice Isaac. God met him there, blessed him there. And now this is where the holiest of holy is. This is the the most spiritual warfare zone in all the world. This is where where the the Temple Mount for the Jews and and Christians know it. But you know who possesses it? Muslims. They call it the Dome of the Rock. I, I, I was able to go up there in 2016, and Christians and Jews are not allowed to go to the Temple Mount. But we were up there and we were talking and talking about the, the, the healings at the Pool of Bethesda and, and, and the gates, the things that took place at the gates. And we were standing over where it's believed to be the holiest of holies. We don't know, we can't go down in, but we're standing at the pillars where the holiest of holies were telling stories. And I can just see, they're just seeing these Muslims, just angry, talking on their radio. And one finally can't stand it, he's had enough. He goes, you need to quit telling your lies over there about Jesus. And don't forget that you're a visitor here. I was like, this is exciting. It just got real, what's he gonna do? I don't know, but I liked it. Can you imagine how much fear that would put in most people? But it was exciting, because I get to talk about my Jesus here, where Abraham was about to sacrifice the promise, and Abraham faithfully said, no, I'll give it back to you, and God blessed him. And do you know that we we get to eat from that blessing? Oh, man, you're going to see it. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Oh, that's good news. Because what Jesus did, when he was gone for three days, he took back the keys of the enemy, from the enemy. And he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. And who did he give it to? All those who come to know him as Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, and are washed, truly washed in his blood. And so we, right here, it was established, and because of Abraham's decisions, what took place on the cross, and as we receive Lord Jesus Christ, we have access to this. We pray, we sang today to receive all that you have. There it is. I got to understand, I got to walk in this thing, though, the blessing. He says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In case you didn't know, you are part of all the nations and you shall be blessed. Abraham is the father of faith. And because of what he has done, we have access to the promise. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, he broke, he broke every demonic force, the power of every demonic force that's up against us and gave us authority. And he says, because you have obeyed my voice. That's all he asks." I need to just obey his voice. His word, his voice. Not only did God provide Abraham with a major blessing, but the blessings continue to this day for the following generations. You see whenever I got sent into ministry, the pastor that was speaking that night was TD Hall. He's a He's like a a giant in the faith in modern days. About 90, is about to pass on to be with the Lord and many of his his uh the people in that generation are but they broke barriers that churches like this are actually walking in they broke barriers they left legacy they're leaving a legacy and the message he spoke that night was leaving a legacy of faith and as I, I look back and I before that day years before I was living in Austin and I remembered praying prayers because I was messed up Can I get an amen I was messed up, and I remember praying as I would run, I would jog, and, and you messed up to be running and jogging anyway in Austin, Texas. But I was, I, was, I was out exercising. Lord, change me. Change me. Make me a better man so that the children that I one day have, I didn't know if I was going to have children. I didn't know if I could have children. Change me so that the children that one day I might have, I can be a blessing to. Change me. I remembered in that moment, I was praying that prayer and walking and and hiking and running, and I would continually repeat that because really I needed my heart changed. And there that we are, being sent out, and being sent out into ministry to leave to another country, and the message is leaving a legacy. Do you know that as we're making decisions in areas of faith, and we're choosing to push back the gate of our enemy in that area? That we are walking out legacy of faith. That every area, every space, every faith department, you could say, every area of what God's Word says, I'm walking towards that gate of my enemy and pushing it back, what I'm doing is leaving a legacy for my kids. You know what that looks like today? I have two beautiful kids, but This morning, I'm sitting there, and my daughter's on my lap, and we prophesied into her life. We declared into her life before she was even conceived that we would have a worship leader. Full of the Spirit, that loved the Lord, and that could lead God's people into his throne room. That was full of peace, and that would release peace into anybody's life that she encountered. That was our repetitive prayer, still my prayer today. And this morning, she was asking, as she was watching the worship team prepare, she's like, Daddy, when do I go up there, get to go up there and lead worship? Oh, worth it all. Last, uh, two weekends ago, we're leaving the church. She's like, Daddy, when do I get to be worship pastor? Oh, it, it's worth that. It's worth that. Leaving a legacy. Abraham was not just, he, he quit thinking about himself and the distraction from god and he said you know what this thing i'm laying it down this this promise and this child for the sake of relationship with you and the moment he did he pushed back the gate of the enemy that would have kept him bound to that situation that lie that bondage that issue until he was willing to give up what's in the way of god he wasn't completely lost he was just distracted And the moment he did, he began to leave a legacy. And you and I are eating from that legacy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I remember being in this church in Austin, and I would would go in, and oh, y'all are in trouble. There's no countdown clock up there. And I would go in, and and it was a little bit different different than than what I was used to when I was growing up. You know, they didn't have the hymnals. I know it's probably awkward for some of you. You're like, where's the book in the back of the chair? We didn't have a hymnal. And I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know this song. And it's a little too fast beat. I know there's no, there's no lyrics on the wall. These people know this song. How do they know this song? They're, I mean, like I was a little angry and excited at the same time. Like the, the worship was energizing and I was mad because I didn't know it. And I started having those beads of sweat. I mean, it was cold in the room. It wasn't because they needed to turn, turn down the, the, the air conditioning. Beads of sweat, I'm a little angry. And then I, the more I just came. And the more I started seeing the freedom of the people around me, you know, I was like, they didn't even ask if I had a question. I just raised my hand. A little bit, a little bit of peer pressure around me, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm the only one that's not raising the hand. And then, then I realized, wait a minute. Man, it's not about them. And then, and then I broke free from the bondage of not raising my hands because of what people might think. And I broke free from the bondage of raising my hands because of what people might think. And so finally, it was just between me and the Lord. And then I started to feel the freedom of worshiping the God who had rescued me from the path of hell. Oh, if that's not enough for me to worship all out, my father. And then there was messages that would come along like this one. Oh, you you want me to 10% return what I don't think so then I started hearing the testimonies and then I started hearing more message and understanding and then there was a time where I remembered working and living in Austin and I'm like there's no way I can give 10% and be able to live it's too expensive here until I did and then I realized wait a minute two things happened. I was free from the bondage of I can't it'll never work and yet, I was still able to do all the things I was doing before. And within one year, God had already been working on me for about three, three and a half years. But within one year, I start to hear clearly the voice of God, and He begins to He begins to transition me into another path. I stay on it. I'm still giving. I'm still I'm still returning back to God. What belongs to Him. And then within two years, I'm on a completely different path, on my way into ministry, having been laid on of hands, sent into ministry by T.D. Hall, and now I am living in Honduras. Two years after I began to return back to God and test him now in this, as his word said, everything shifted. You know why? Because my heart wasn't selfish anymore. It had now become for the kingdom and for his church. It's where your treasure is so too is your heart. But I was angry. I was angry, and there are some of you who have been growing and doing well and you've settled for living a good life rather than the best life that God has for you. But a good man leaves an inheritance for his children and their children, scripture says. And it's, I just wanna say it's time that when you see those moments that are difficulty, that's a gate of the enemy. And instead of leaning back, it's pressing in to that gate and pushing that gate back. Because that gate, it's causing you a little anger, a little, I don't don't know, a little, I just want to get out of here. I wish you would end this. A little bit of, I wish there was a countdown clock. You know, a little bit of, that's the gate. That's the gate in this season that God is showing you. There's breakthrough on the other side, but you have to push it back because you have access. You have control. You have power over it that's the gate and some of you are struggling with many of these teachings because maybe they're new to you maybe maybe it was just a feel-good story when you would show up to church after the three songs and the hymnals and you never you never read what was it verse three never sang verse three i know exactly what we're gonna get out right at 12 i can say my hellos say my goodbyes and i'm at the buffet And to be honest, it it may seem hard, and you might get a little bit angry at this message, this series. You might get a little angry at me. But I'm telling you, that place where you're getting angry, that is the very place that God wants you to press in and pursue. And I'm telling you, try it. Test it. Read the Word of God and see if it's not true what I'm delivering to you. Be a Berean. But don't give up. Press into the hard things and let God do a good work in you first because it all starts right here. Because you're not just fighting for yourself, you're fighting for your children, and you're fighting for your grandchildren. And Abraham decided, I'm no longer living for me, it's going to be about Isaac and the descendants that God promised. And many of you are finally realizing, hey, you know what, it's not about me just living a comfortable life now, it's about me making faith-filled decisions that change my comfort zone and move me into the next so that my generations that come after me can walk in the same blessings. And that takes a whole nother level of faith, a whole nother level of selfless living, because you're not fighting just for yourself, because when your best life will be lived, when you're giving God back your best. Now look at this, let's look at why God requires the best of Abraham and how it applies to us number one is this we already talked about it god only releases his best when we give him our best i'm going to show you a spiritual principle this is in this is in scripture all throughout and so we see this story taking place we've been talking about it but we see this story taking place 2500 years before the law so adam and eve they had a child they had two children in verse genesis sorry genesis 4 verse 2 says then he then she bore again This time his brother Abel. She had already bore Cain. And now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, ah, when it's convenient. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruits of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn. When did he brought? He brought the first. Of his flock and of their fat. So we have quantity and quality. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. I want you to watch this word, respected. Yeah, right there. Thank you. Verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was angry, and his countenance fell. So this word respect is sha'ah. So what it means is it means to look at, to gaze upon, and to receive. It's a compound word. And so when God saw Abel's gift, he said that when he brought in first, the firstborn, the first of the fruit, the first of it. He, he looked at it, he says, that's my son. He gets it. He's gonna be the fruit, the first of the best. But when he saw Cain's an offering in the process of time, it says he did not respect it, meaning he looked at it and looked away. He did not gaze, he did not look, and he did not receive. That's exactly when it says, "Shah." That's exactly what it was saying. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And as as most men would, the moment he felt that experience, it was rejection and dishonor. God doesn't respect me. He doesn't love me. And instead of being humble and asking the Lord, Lord, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, There must be something that I can can do this better. Can you show me your way? Instead of being humble, the first murder was over an offering. Let that sink in for a minute. Because when you get, you hear these messages that reflect God's word, and that preacher's up there preaching, and you get a little angry. Probably murdering me in your heart, you know what I mean? Like, they just... Jesus says, "You think ill against your brother? You've already murdered him." Think about it. And I love teaching on giving because I get to see the, I see and hear the testimonies of people and how they broke free from the bondages of being being bound to self selfishness, to self living. But I, there's sometimes there's people that you know that I can see. You can see it. By the way, when you've been up here, you can see re- people's response and reactions and you know, kind of know where they're at. And I can see people wanting to murder me and like, like pull little dolls out and they're sticking with pins and they're thinking about me and all that stuff. You know what I mean? you know how it goes. But it's okay, I'll do it anyway. I've grown pretty good though at seeing this. And in fact, there are people that quit coming to church during series, message series like this for four years straight since we've been, a, been in operation in the churches I've been to before. Whenever you start talking about giving, stewardship, tithing all of a sudden people just can't make it to church anymore and you look around you're like well well, the church i mean there's so many more people here in easter and in the beginning of the year oh they'll be back they're just waiting to hear the rumor of this message series being done i promise you i know the record i watch it i watch the i have the metrics of attendance and every time message certain message series come around then they come back you watch it There they are. Well, the church is growing so much. No, it just kind of stayed the same. People just finally started coming back to church because of the message series. But those who get it and grab a hold of it and start to respond in faith to the message series, God begins to pour out his favor and his blessings upon them, and he sees a people that are concerned not about themselves, but about pushing the gates of the enemy out of their lives, and then he begins to bless that. Because he can't help but to bless it, because it's his word. I get to hear stories, like a, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, a guy told me, he said, Pastor Nathan, when I hear a message series like this, it begins to remind me of when I began to tithe four or five years ago. He said, I was in debt, gone through a divorce, I was in a bad space in my life, and now, since I started tithing, hear it, since I started tithing, I own both of my vehicles, I tithe regularly now, I have some property that I'm about to pay off in 2023, and I have $77,000 in my bank account. Debt to living his best life because he began to tithe. I just don't know how I can do it. Well, you just do it. You just break free from the bondage of it. And then I get to hear other stories. Even last week, a guy was... Tell me, he goes, you know what, Pastor Nathan, whenever I heard, I've been, been saved for, for two decades. When I used to hear stories like this, and, and man, I would just say, all in my heart, it would just be, that preacher just wants my money. Right? You know it. That's, that's, that's a little anger that's in your heart whenever I start to speak messages like this. Or you say, you know what, I'm just going to, I just can't make it out of my pajamas. I'm going to watch online for a little bit. You're not watching. You got like Oprah over here and, and me over here. Come on. But he says, now I have found the joy and the favor of returning back to God what belongs to him. And not only do I do that, we we give above and beyond the tithe. That's a miracle to take somebody's heart from that preacher just wants my money to seeing God pour out his blessing and his best on him because he's returning back his best. That's breakthrough right there. That is generational breakthrough right there proverbs 3 9 and 10 says this honor the lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase how do i know it's increase did you have it before no you got it now yes increase whether it's stimulus money birthday money wedding money bonus money whatever paycheck you didn't have it before you got it now increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will, be, will overflow with new wine. Matthew 6, 32 says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Now, now God knows, you like you're looking for stuff, you're wanting stuff, you have desires for stuff. And, and you're like, man, I'm just going after that. Boy, if I could just get that, if I could just do this, my life will be this. Well, yeah, it's not new. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But, verse 33 says, If you'll just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... If you'll just do it his way, live out his principles, and trust him in these difficult things that make you angry and probably want to murder somebody, and all these things shall be, that means, oh, it's going to happen. It doesn't mean it may be. It doesn't mean it could be. When God says it shall be, he means it will be, but the will be is if you seek first his kingdom of God and his righteousness, meaning if you'll just listen to his voice and do what his word says, these things shall be. Added into you. But instead, we get focused on the promise and the Isaac. Here's what I want to know. What is the Isaac that's in your life that needs to be taken to the temple mount? And I just see the Holy Spirit just popping little, you know those little message bubbles? Yeah, I can see those too. Because you know exactly what the Isaac is. You know exactly what that promised thing is. The guy's saying, that's become a distraction. It's kind of messing with our relationship. I just don't feel you like I used to. Luke 6.36 says, therefore be merciful. Okay, I need to be merciful. Just as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Okay, I need to quit judging. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Quit condemning. And forgive And you will be forgiven. Okay, I need to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. But then he says, in the middle of all that, give. Oh yeah, Jesus loves to talk about money. You know why? It goes back to that first murder, that offering. Because it messes with our heart. Because that's where where our treasure is, where our treasure is, so too is our heart. Because he knows. Because when we give... It will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your body. You ever put a Mentos in a a two liter of Pepsi? You shake that thing, boom. That's what he's saying right here. You want a picture of how God will bless you back? Drop that Mentos in there. Give and see if God doesn't answer in this way. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Well, if you want to just receive and just be blessed a little, well, just give a little. Because he who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. But he who, who, he who sows uh, bountifully, will reap bountifully. I don't want to live a sparing life. Yes, I want my life to be spared in the day of judgment. But I want to live a bountiful life. So that's going to cause a requirement of me first. Because you only get to keep what you give away. That's a deep principle right there. But if I'm willing to give it away, God, God's going give to me, give me his best back. It doesn't own me. And the very things we're oftentimes trying to hold on to actually possess us. Revelation 2, 2, 2, and 5 says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Great job, verse 3. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left. Man, you are so doing so well. You got saved. You know the the best evangelists are the people who are freshly saved. Hallelujah, I got saved. My life has changed forever. I'm going to glory. I'm going to say amen and hallelujah. And I'm going to just tell people about my Jesus. I just want everybody to know about my Jesus. I'm going to shine, let my light shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And so we are shining that first love, that first love flare, just that that oil of the first love just glowing. But then he says, verse 5, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. All that stuff that you were doing, where would it go? Oh, you got saved and you sat in church and you didn't give? You didn't serve. You didn't use your gifts and talents that come from the Lord, and you fizzled out. Where'd you go? The fir- where, where's your first works? Or else I, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The first is repetitive. God wants our first and our best. And when we do give that, he gives us his best in return. Number two is this: it's fair. It's not fair. It's fair. It's not fair. It's fair. You may have got a child that, that you know you you tell him to do something. It's not fair. My brother doesn't have to do it. Not right now, but he will later. That's how we sound to God. That's not fair. You mean to serve? ten next steps. Not fair. Is it fair for everybody else to serve you? Dang. Smoky. Is it fair that everybody else gives so you can have coffee and take care of your children and the kids' ministry? So you can come in and worship have an excellent worship experience and hear from the Lord. Is it fair that it costs everybody else something, but it doesn't cost you except for time? Dang. I'm just trying to give perspective. That way you can connect with your child the next time they say it's not fair. First Corinthians 6:18 says. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of his body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Next verse. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This temple of the Holy Spirit right here. Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Verse 20. For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you really think that you have a right to do or not do what you want? You were purchased. when you, The moment you said, I give my life to Jesus, it was because of the price that he paid, which was for you, to even have access to be able to do that by grace, which is a free gift. But the moment you do, you have to walk out the price that was paid. It's like if you are if you get in your vehicle and you leave that you bought and it doesn't do what you're asking it to do and steering it to do, there's a problem, right? Like I need to get this thing fixed. It's a clunker. It's not working. No funciona. It's not functioning right. My Latinos. In the same way, the master is asking us to do a thing, but we're not working. It's not going the right direction. It's going left instead of right. It's going its own way. Y'all hear me? But I do hope you're, you're free spiritually and not in bondage. Because if you're walking in step with the Lord, that, that's freedom right there. But if I'm going a different direction, the Lord's saying go this direction, I'm in bondage. I'm in bondage to whatever is steering me along the different direction. But every one of us will stand before God and we will give an account. This is not a, a heaven or hell judgment, this is the Bema. This is when Jesus stands before you, you stand before him and he asks, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you steward what was given to you at the moment you said you will receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What did you start doing from that day forward? Because that's what every one of us, it's easy on this side of heaven, but wait till you get on that other side. And you're standing in front of the uh, the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you're like, oh shoot, I wish I would have listened to that pastor that had anger in my heart, I wanted to murder him, and I got the little pins under the, but I just listened and done and began the good work if I'd have just gone back to the first works that were in my heart to do it, if I'd have just obeyed his word, Lord, now what am I going to do? You'll be thinking that. God gave his best for us. He is all in. And it's only right that we say we're all in as well, and we give him our best in every area of our life. Time, talents, treasures, giftings, whatever it is, God, it all belongs to you anyway. Thank you for allowing me to steward it. I give it back to you so that you can do anything that you wanna do with it. It takes a lot of humility, a lot of repentance of heart, and a lot of it's not about me anyway. God gave his best in his son, and it's only right that we do that in return. And every time we return back to God, We're saying, I recognize you as my Lord. I recognize you as my master. I recognize you as my savior. And every time, remember what Abraham, what God was afraid Abraham would do is withhold. Every time we withhold from the Lord, what truly belongs to him anyway, we're saying, God, I don't know if I can trust you to provide. I don't know if you are my Jehovah Jireh. I don't know if I can stand on the Mount of Moriah And say the Lord will provide. Cerveza or just like, (laughs) just curious. (laughs) And this is what we're saying. I don't know if you. I don't know if you can do this though, Lord. I mean, I I've seen you do it, and I've heard stories and testimonies. I I mean, yeah, I've seen some things before, but this, Lord, I don't. But again, it's not about righteousness, it's about relationship. And so many times we will do just enough to stay righteous, to look righteous, to be righteous, to appear righteous, to hope we are righteous, but it always veers us away from that intimate relationship that the Father truly desires. I can just look good enough. See, it's God that's searching hearts. It's God that's concerned about the connection between you and he. Matthew, sorry, three, why it's not legalism or performance. Why it's not legalism and performance. The most important blessings in life and in eternity are ours freely by grace. Salvation is completely free, completely free. And it's not about righteousness, it is about relationship. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind, everything that is, that is you, love him with it, return it back to him in whatever way he chooses because it's to be, it's for us to be in relationship. Could you be happily married to your spouse if they weren't giving you their best? No. No. Because a relationship, a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage is two people sacrificially giving their life away for the sake of the other. It's two people that are willing to give their best to the other. And if anything is less than that, it's a dead marriage. You could do life together. You can stay married for 50 years and celebrate the fact that you have a a 50 year anniversary. But did you really have a healthy marriage? You can say that I've been a Christian for 50 years and I sat in the pew the whole time and did nothing. But can you really say you had a healthy relationship with the Lord? Because it looks nothing like his word. But I know which page every, every song, my favorite song is in the hymnal. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. When he says hate here, he means if anything is distracting you from an all-out love relationship with me, there's a problem. He doesn't want you to literally hate any of these people. He just wants you to love them less than you have a relationship with Father. Because until you have a healthy relationship with a Father, it's hard to love those people. Can I get an Amen. And it's until you have that relationship and you're giving your best back to that relationship that you even have a best to give back to your spouse. Well, I'm identifying all kind of problems. We just had marriage counseling in here. God's motivation isn't righteousness, it is relationship. And relationship moves beyond righteousness every time. He knows that our passions cannot be separated from our priorities. And Jesus knows that wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is gonna be also. And it is his desire that we are passionate, that we are passionately preparing his bride, his church for the bridegroom's returning. Because you can look at the times, the bridegroom is returning. Y'all don't know, Jesus is the bridegroom. He's gonna return. And his heart is, I hope my people are passionately preparing my bride, the church, for me to come in and establish my kingdom. And it's not happening if we're not giving to his kingdom, to his church. Time, talents, treasures, giftings, we're not taking care of the bride. And we've been given the responsibility to steward the brides. And by the way, givers don't get caught up in backsliding. If you're giving, serving, if you're using your time, talents, and treasures for the Lord, then you don't have time to backslide. You don't have time to get caught up in in other things. But the people who do, people who do backslide, they're not giving, they're not serving, they're not using their giftings for the Lord. And they're a dead target for the enemy to come in and out and utilize any area of life that they want to. Because they're not looking at the gate that they possess. They're not watching it, As we said two weeks ago, they're not protecting and enhancing. They're just sitting there at the gate saying, well, if you want to come in, come in. I really don't know how. I'm not equipped to handle you. You got all authority. You got all power, but distracted, comfortable. It's a nice seat. But God is saying, will you give that away? Will you you give that away for relationships? It's really good. Let me, give you, let me tell you four ways how to give God your best. And we'll get out of here, I promise. Number one is make, make Jesus the Lord of every area of your life without it any exceptions. Meaning, if I died today, is it, is it the path to heaven? Or is it a highway to hell? Am I 100% sure, man, I'm heaven bound? Because if it's not, and, it, and it, let me tell you how it will look. It'll look like salvation. And God's word tells us how salvation looks. You see, I didn't get saved through my works, but once I got saved, boy, my works sure proved my salvation. Y'all understand that? Because what I do sure does look like I'm saved. There sure is the light of the world glowing through me because I know I am thankful that God rescued me from the path that I was on. And, And I'm so thankful I'm gonna live this thing out with everything that I am. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna surrender my gifts and my talents to him so he can use them for whatever he wants and he can grow them, he can take them, he can do whatever because I am not my own. And the moment I say no to the Lord, I have taken possession back and I said, nope, you're not my master. You're not my Lord, I'm gonna do me. And that looks nothing like the Word of God. Number two is this, pray about every significant decision in your life and don't act without the Lord's approval. How do I know the Lord's approval? He'll give you peace. In the midst of chaos, storm, frustration, distraction. There's a sliver of peace. And I'm going to look at that. I'm not going to focus on everything going on. I'm not going to focus on the gate of my enemy. I'm going to look for peace that will move back the gate of my enemy. That's how I know what the Lord is. He has given you the ability. As you begin to carry His heart and you walk with him, you'll know, man, that's the Lord. He's given you the right and the authority, the power to make decisions on earth as it is in heaven, he says. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loosen on earth will be loosed in heaven. He has given you that. You're not an orphan. You don't have to sit around with, oh Lord, uh, should I do this? Should I do this? Should, to every little detail. But if it's significant decision, you certainly should because it's gonna be a life step of faith that you are leaving a legacy in that moment over. Number three, give God the best of your time, not the leftovers. Whatever your best is, for some it's morning, for others it's night, for others it's midday. Whatever your best is, man, I'm in my flow. Boy, I could get so much done. That's what, That belongs to the Lord. Number four, Give God the best, the first and best of your finances. I look back, as Allie and I were married, I was still, I was tithing already. I told you the story. It was new to Allie because she didn't have any money. She grew up in the poorest country in, in the Western hemisphere. But we began to tithe together as we got married. And then incrementally, we began to trust the Lord, a half a percent each year, 1% here and there. And we got up to 17% of returning back to the Lord. See, it's easy to say, well, I'll give 10%, I'm doing my duty, righteousness. But relationship said, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying, Lord? And I look back, as I look back, what was once 17%, God has brought other income around us to where that 17, what was 17% of what we're actually blessed to steward now, it's come down to 10%. You should do the math on that. And yet we give 17% back. And I'm not saying that to boast or to be proud. I'm saying that to lead. Because God's Word just said, return back 10% the tithe. The relationship says, no, Lord, I want, I want you to have my whole heart. So what do you want me to give? What are you saying to give? Because to you? You, you know what God's word says about money? It says he's looking for a people who are willing, have no problem returning back to him and using possessions and material stuff for his sake. Because what he sees is, what we see as cash currency, the stuff that is attached to our hearts, he sees a people that are willing to get rid of that, that's a people I can entrust people to. Because he's looking for a people who can lead people, who care for people, and they can't be so attached to worldly possessions that they're not willing to lead people. Number five is surrender your gifts and talents to serve God and to expand his church and his kingdom. I'm gonna ask you two questions. If you all would just stand. And I want to encourage you to come down and pray for prayer if you need prayer. There's people down here at any moment. But what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's that anger spot? What's that part that's in your heart? like, ugh. That's the focus of the season. That's the, the gate of your enemy that you possess, that God is saying, I just want you to hone in right here. That's the place that as you move it back, you're leaving a legacy of faith for the generations to come behind you. And your ceiling, you've probably heard it before, will be their floor. I wonder how my kids are going to be. I don't know what is your ceiling. How are my kids going to turn out? Well, how are you living your life out? Don't look at them today. Look at them as what God says into the future. And you just believe right there what God says about them into the future. And you keep living out those faith legacy steps. And the next question is this, as the Holy Spirit is answering your question, what does that look like? In the context of this church family, so Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak to your saints. That you give them wisdom, grace, a measure of faith. Them beyond the place that they're at in their spiritual journey. Because the very thing that they're looking at, that, that gate of the enemy in which they already possess, you just give them the answer? That you would have them hear, believe, and obey to push it back.